It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This is Access Atlanta. Every week, we share some of the best places to eat, play, and live out loud in the ATL. And, of course, we go behind the scenes and find the stories that show Atlanta is one of a kind. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm your host, Shane Harrison. We've changed the way we do our podcast. That means we're recording it remotely from our homes, but we've also changed what we're talking about in the podcast, since we've always prided ourselves on providing guidance on things to do in and around Atlanta, and because most venues, theaters, and attractions are closed, we're going indoors, and in some cases where it's practical, outdoors to places where it's easy to practice social distancing. This week, we look at an unusual local music success story. Foxes and Fossils, a homegrown cover band from Smyrna, has never released a commercial record. They've never gone on tour. Their promotion has occurred almost accidentally by word of mouth. They began 10 years ago with a performance in a pizza parlor and haven't progressed much from there. Then last year, something strange started happening online. Videos of live Foxes and Fossil shows gathered steam on YouTube, led by their video The Crosby, Stills, Nash, 1969, Chestnut, Sweet, Judy, Blue Eyes. We're here to talk with Bo Emerson, who wrote the story about them, and uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about uh, about their story. Hey, Bo. Hey, Shane. So, this is a pretty fascinating thing that, uh, you know, a band that, that doesn't really hasn't really released a commercial record is still very successful. Well, it's it's even more surprising when you uh, look at the fact that the last time they performed live was, uh, I think, in, in 2017. Wow. So it's, it is a matter of they have been incredibly successful at capturing really beautiful live uh, video at each one of their performances. And then... Um, turning those uh, into uh, YouTube hits, but not right away. They st- they started this ten years ago, and um, and it was really only in the last two years that all of a sudden they started bubbling up. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's amazing the uh, how time is is sometimes no longer an issue online. It's like it can you know a lot of time can pass before something gets really noticed. And apparently uh, it had a little bit to do with uh, a change in the algorithm at, at Facebook. I don't know if that's, I'm sorry, not Facebook, at YouTube. Um, right. And so that when you look at 
a video, uh, it says, how about another one that looks like that? And so they've, uh, uh, they've found that their older videos and their newer ones keep getting recommended. And then people really get hooked on them. Right. But I think that the, the, the most effective, uh, uh, a force that has, uh, uh, contributed to the uh, people listening to these folks is that they have a, a fan base out there that is uh, nutballs and they are uh, listening to them all over the world. And they, there are thousands of comments when they put out a video um, and, uh, and they uh, anxiously await each new one. And even though they haven't performed for three years, they have enough videos in the can. They let one out every month and um, the views go right on up again. And it's, uh, I'm trying to remember how many of their videos now have more than uh, a, a million views, but it's a lot of them. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. So do they have, I mean, I guess, you know, these days they can't really perform much at all. There aren't many places to do that, but, uh, you know, will they, no, no. Yeah. Will they be doing it in the future? I, I did. I mean, you spoke to them and, and I'm wondering if they have any plans to maybe continue. Well, I went out to uh, uh, Smyrna to their house, uh, Tim Purcell's house, and and it's he and his daughter Sammy kind of were the were the beginning of all of this. Um, and you'll you'll hear about uh, some of this when when you listen to this uh, interview I did with him. But um, Tim is a, a a musician who's been around for a long time. Who's in a band called the Mustangs that had moderate success, but essentially turned into a first of all an events band and then a wedding band, and then finally they said. You know, we're never really going to be famous. That we almost always were, but uh, but he and he kind of just sort of hung up his guitar and went home and sat down in his in his home studio. And then he said to his daughter, "You want to see if you can sing this song with me?" And his daughter was 15 at the time, and they sang a, a, a version of Paul Simon's "America." And he and then she called a friend of hers, and then he got some of his old Mustang uh, friends. And they recorded it, and it was, he said he almost started crying when he was listening to it because just the sound, the blend of those voices. And, of course, that's where the whole idea of Foxes and Fossils came from. You got Tim, and you got his his bandmates, Scott King on bass, Johnny Pike on drums, Toby Ruckert and Darwin Conard on, on guitars. These guys are, are old, like me. And then you've got uh, The Offspring. Uh, who were in their teens when they started? And of course, now they're now they're in their twenties and such. Um, and that's uh, Sammy Purcell and uh, uh, and and Maggie Adams and Chase Truran. And they um, uh, the, the just the combination ended up being unlike anything that they had done before and incredibly successful. Oh, that's cool. So you you spoke with some of them about uh, all the things they're doing, right? Oh yeah, and you asked me about whether they can do do performances, and they really can't, right. uh, uh, partly because of COVID, but also partly because now they're spread out all over the, all over the place. The young women have grown up, and they have careers, and they're in Iowa or they're in Nashville. And, right. and uh, Scott King, the great bassist, is up in uh, Virginia. They but they do recordings by sort of remote control. Each one of them in their own little studio, and they piece it together. And they've been doing that for the last year or so. And it's pretty remarkable what they come up with. And then again, uh, some of the uh, sort of the nucleus of the, of the group co- will come back to Atlanta and uh, hunker down in Tim's studio and they'll record a uh, tune again. And these are all uh, great classic rock covers. Like the very right. first tune they did was a Crosby, Stills and Nash tune. 
Uh, and that thing is still gaining steam uh, after after 10 years on uh, on YouTube. Well, that's pretty cool. So, well, let's let's hear from uh, from the folks who are doing this uh, themselves and uh, and see what they have to say. And is there anything else you need to do to set up your uh, interviews with these people? Well, you'll enjoy. First of all, I went out there and uh, 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 Alyssa Pointer was taking some pictures and they were they were just sort of casually singing a a, a couple of uh, uh, verses from uh, the, the city of New Orleans, the, uh, you know, the old Steve Goodman song. Yeah. And I, I grabbed a little uh, video of that and you'll hear some of the, the sound from that. And this is just standing around in their backyard, but you'll hear how easily they uh, they fit together and they sort of breathe together. It's really quite remarkable, and that's I think the the essential reason that it's such a great band. Awesome. Well, great. Well, thanks for bringing this to us, and uh, uh, we need to remind you that Bo's story is online, and you can go and read that at AJC.com um, and uh, learn a little more there as well. So this is Bo Emerson, and I'm talking to Tim Purcell, who is the mastermind behind Foxes and Fossils, uh, a remarkable little band from Smyrna that has barely walked outside of the city limits and yet is known in England and South Africa and uh, uh, around the country uh, for their remarkable uh, cover versions of, fan- of the, the classic rock uh, genre. So, Tim, how are you? I'm doing great, Bo. Glad to be here. And it, can you uh, tell a little bit about how uh, you came to the uh, to to the point of saying I give up on music, and then just sat down with your daughter and said, "Let's let's just sing a song for us." Well, it wasn't quite like that. I really hadn't given up. I was just uh, disappointed that the holiday season that year was so poor. In previous years, uh, the Mustangs, which was the event band that I was in or founded, uh, we made a third of our money between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve for the year. And that particular year, um, a lot of it due to what was going on in Washington at the time, believe it or not, uh, our regular business just didn't hire us for their parties that year. So and this was about 10 years ago, right? It was the, I think it was 2010, but it was the events took place. I think in 2008 when um, all the car executives flew their pl- private planes to Washington and to ask for a handout. And that didn't sit <laughs> very well with, uh, with, with the press <laughs> and um, so they got a lot of bad press. So companies like Alabama Power and Coca-Cola and companies like that that we've been working for regularly um, just quit doing events. And, and we're talking of, about you know, you, uh, the, the Mustangs would play for large uh, corporate gatherings. And, oh, yeah. And that was a pretty good living. Um, it wasn't enough to support my lifestyle, but it certainly, uh, <laughs> it certainly, uh, helped. That's for sure. Um, we did things like the tailgate party for the Alabama power for the Alabama Auburn game 
probably six or seven years in a row going back and forth between, you know, whoever was the home team. And, um, it, you know, they were paying us a lot of money to do it. And they but just now let's, let's jump forwards to, to, uh, to this sort of new incarnation, uh, of, uh, of Tim Purcell and, and friends. Yeah. Um, that the story that you wanted me to tell about Sammy, <laughs> um, we were sitting around, I was crying in my coffee about uh, not having any work and just picking around on the guitar and uh, she and I uh, sang a couple of songs together and it was just a uh, a wonderful thing. I, I Sammy, are you interested at all in performing with me? And she sort of was halfway interested, but uh, it just started the wheels turning and I, I got to thinking one of my lifetime goals was to be in a situation with singers who were as good or better than me. And I started working on that goal. Um, I got a young lady that had been a choir mate of Sammy's in church and also went to the same school to, to join us. And literally when uh, I heard the, the first time we sang together, the blend is uh, what's so important. Uh, just, virtually brought me to tears i had to stop <laughs> well it's uh that blend is in fact the thing that has made people uh just stand up and listen to uh foxes and fossils and uh and the the result is you've got uh three million um people looking at the very first um uh, gig you guys recorded back in 2010 and you got what 39 million views total of all of your videos that are on YouTube right and of that 39 million I, I think 21 million have occurred since October of last year it just took off it went nuts what did that feel like surreal like like I had passed over into a parallel universe <laughs> where nothing made sense. Now um, there's, there's a good reason that, that uh, people are, uh, are come back again and again uh, to your recordings, uh, which by the way, are all free on YouTube. You, you guys never tour, you play a few concerts a year back before there was COVID, but it's that electrifying vocal harmony. And really it's due to the ability of your, uh, your bandmates to hear each other and blend with each other that that makes that sound so remarkable and it's all live yeah the uh, the live stuff is a hundred percent live um, the studio stuff obviously we can we can work on but um, I, I think the key is no one's doing anything they can't do I know that sounds silly <laughs> but we don't have we don't have men who have to sing high falsetto parts right we, got, we have sammy who's crystal clear and yeah. you know uh, nearly pitch perfect and we don't have uh, you know I, we've got bass uh what do they call it baritone tenor alto contralto and soprano that everyone can sing in their natural voice and that just, and they're all good singers, and it's it's wonderful. It's and now a, a lot of the music that you all um, play uh, comes from 
uh, back in the heart of the classic rock era. And a lot of it is from uh, groups that really themselves focused on vocal harmony, the Beach Boys, the Mamas and the Papas, the Eagles. Who else am I leaving out here? Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Right. There you go. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's wonderful. When, when The whole concept of the thing, foxes and fossils, uh, you know, is sort of two generations of music. And the girls brought songs that they wanted to do. I mean, we were doing Katy Perry and uh, Casey Musgraves and, and things like that, that all were more or less heavily vocal. Um, our strength is definitely our vocals. And, and we've got good players too, don't get me wrong. I never sell them short. But the strength is the vocals and, and the band's you know, job is to uh, lay down something to sing to <laughs> and get out of the way. And everybody understands that and they're all very professional about it. And it's just... Going back to the what you said about the groups of Beach Boys and, and this, that, and the other, we're just looking for challenging vocal songs that, that kind of make us stand out a little bit when we pull them off. Well, when you when you do Brian Wilson uh, songs, you're for sure looking at challenging uh, uh, vocals. You are correct. <laughs> now, t- uh, the uh, the the name popped up. Uh, just like seconds before your very first performance at your first gig. Talk about that. Well, um, we didn't know what we were going to call it. The fact that we had a bunch of old guys and a couple of really pretty young girls, uh, we thought of stuff like beauties and beasties, you know, stuff like that. That was about the best we could come up with. And we sort of huddled up on the stage and, Nobody had any better idea, so I turned around to walk up to the microphone, and just before I was to introduce us, Scott, our bass player, hollered out, Foxes and Fossils! How about that? And I I said, (laughs) I like it. I do like it. It kind of rolls off the tongue. And uh, when we were uh, playing that first job, there were totally, really, it was friends and family. I mean, we had no right. following or anything. So uh, the mothers of the girls were there and their teachers and their choir directors and foot uh, softball coaches and, you know, everybody. The whole youth choir was there. The friends from church, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like 150, 180 people in the room. And um, when I said it, you know, I asked for a, a vote. Who likes it? Who doesn't? And it was got real mixed reactions from that group. <laughs> well, but, there's uh, a, you know, there's a certain, uh, uh, when, when you call, when you use the term foxes, uh, I guess you invite a certain uh, disapproval, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think they disapproved of the fossils too. I mean, you know, <laughs> we're young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now uh, we're, we're all young, right, uh, Tim, except that, that um, you're 64. And of course I'm even older than that. Don't tell anybody. Oh, but, well. But somehow this thing has popped up during your so-called retirement years. Uh, that must feel kind of good. Again, the whole thing is surreal. Um, where Money is not the driving factor by any means, but just different avenues of, of revenue 
production, just keep opening up and everybody in the group, maybe not this calendar year, but certainly next calendar year. And again, I, I just don't see this slowing down. It's growing 2.1 million new views per month. <laughs> and and you you're selling t-shirts and and uh, uh you produced and recorded your own uh cds that not rca not um you know uh not columbia but but you guys and you're selling those as well correct yeah and um we get we do youtube is free but uh, they are allowing performers I hate to say cover artists, but performers <laughs> to uh, to get just a little bit of the pie. And I don't really know who to thank for that. Um, it used to be really hard digging around in the YouTube stuff to find out. But now when you post something, all the questions are there to answer. And, you, you know, do you own the copyright to this? No. Are you aware this is copyrighted material? Yes. And, you, and then you get you go through an approval process, which uh, the first time I did it took about six weeks but now um you know you'll they go ahead and allow you to post although they didn't let us post the uh seven bridges road huh uh, i think because that was right at the beginning of the pandemic and there were i guess bots were doing the flagging at the time because you can't use the eagles recording and right. and monetize that um, but uh, word on the website when the, the people got the, our YouTube subscribers got notified that we had posted something, but then they couldn't get to it. And the people were saying, those Eagles, they, you know, they're so uh, uh, probably YouTube probably thinks that is the Eagles singing. That's what it is. They think it is the <laughs> Eagles. <laughs> but when in reality, I think it was just that the, the bots were trying to grab stuff and, uh, that didn't have the manpower at the time or couldn't figure out how to do it, but now it's well, fine. It's a, uh, so the, the way that they distribute the revenue from, um, I guess, ads that, uh, that YouTube puts up, uh, most of it goes to the folks that wrote the song and that, um, um, that, um, uh, published the song, et, um, et cetera. And then a little, a little slice of it goes to you guys, but that little slice is not nothing. <clears throat> it's not nothing when you have 39 million views, right? <laughs> 39 million pennies is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> To talk about that, that's not an easy song to, to jump into at your first gig. No, um, and that was Darwin, our guitar player. Um, he had been playing in a in several different incarnations of duos and three-piece acoustic things. And we were talking about what songs to do, and he said, hey, ever considered doing that? And when most people do it, they, let me think, 
they lower the key a little bit. It makes right. it easier. You can play it in a standard tuning that way. It's, it, it doesn't quite sound right. Right. But um, with the advent of these lovely ladies singing <laughs> the, the high part, um, we were able to cover those three parts, you know, very strongly and in the right key. And we did a little bit more research because we all knew that Stephen Stills, he's like a, a really smart guy when it comes to alternative guitar tunings. Yeah. And I don't know what the tuning is, but there's a whole lot of E's, open E's in that uh, tuning. And Darwin fooled around with it and he figured out how to play the intro pretty much exactly correctly. Oh, yeah. So, so that was the the beginning of it. And then we had the we, we had the, the two girls, Maggie and Sammy, they sang the exact same part together. So it gave it more of a choral feel to it. Uh-huh. And I, I didn't have any problem at that time with the, uh, the middle part. And uh, Darwin sang the lower part slash melody there. And we just, once again, we just had people who could really sing. And they were on parts that were comfortable for their voices. And, and don't, by no means, don't discount Scott King playing the bass guitar. Yeah, on that yeah. song, that is some fabulous work, and it, it wouldn't be the same without uh, his input. In fact, the whole band would not—I don't think we would have achieved the success we had without uh, his excellent, excellent bass work. And he looks very relaxed out there while he's uh, while he's playing these rather complex lines. He is a pro. <laughs> I, I've worked with several people that stood out. Uh, but at my age now, I, I kind of recognize why some people made it and why some people didn't, you know, that elusive it factor that always comes up. But for the life of me, I can't understand why he was not, he did a lot of touring, but I, I don't understand how he got where he is and is not some famous studio musician or well or now now you got your fans who want you all to be uh uh famous and go out there and tour but uh it's not quite uh it's a little more complicated than that well the girls have all grown up now and they have their own lives the only one that really is pursuing anything like a, a performance career is chase and what i was saying about people that have it and people that don't she does. She really does. I'll be shocked if she's not a household name in just a couple of years. She but on the other hand, you've come up with a way to uh, sort of, by remote control, assemble uh, Foxes and Fossils uh, tracks, and yep. even though you got people in Virginia and uh, Tennessee and... Um, Iowa and Boston. Right. Right. Yeah, um, it's, it's so amazing. We just got uh, Scott, who lives in Virginia. Uh, we set him up with a little system. Uh, up until just a couple of days ago, he had been using the facility of a friend of his in Virginia, which it was great, but it's also imposing on the other person. And uh, so we got him a little system for less than $600 that is absolute pristine quality and he's learning how to use it and he sent me like four bass tracks nat just in the last two days 
And sometimes in the past, I'd have to wait three months to get four bass tracks out of him. So, so now uh, your, your folks can essentially mail in the parts and you can kind of stick them together? Yeah, exactly. It's just same as if they were here recording. Uh, what we'll do is we'll, we'll put down uh, a basic track, which will be uh, a click track, if, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. a steady click track. And then um, I'll put down whatever instrument is most appropriate, uh, either an acoustic guitar or piano. And then we'll have Johnny Pike, Johnny the Pocket Pike, come <laughs> over and play wonderful drums on. And from that point, it just kind of becomes who's most able to contribute next. Not We don't have any formula uh, other than we put the bass on last. Huh. Um, the, the Beatles recorded that way. They would go in and do their basic rhythm thing. And then McCartney, whatever he played in the studio, he would go back after all the vocals and everything had been done and play something um, that he, a great composer, would compose that was uh, complementary to the vocals and to everything else that was going on in the, in the group. And if you listen carefully to some Beatles recordings and focus on the bass guitar line, you'll be shocked, absolutely shocked at how amazing it is. Well, Scott was talking to me about uh, you guys are working up a Beatles tune, I believe, and uh, he says he's uh, been woodshedding the uh, uh, the, the bass, uh, listening to uh, uh, McCartney, and he says McCartney would do something different every time, every chorus and every verse. So it was not a pattern that was easy to memorize. Right. He, he, yeah. It's uh, we're we're working on we're going to augment our uh, July fourth live recording of a day in the life, which is oh, one you don't hear too often uh, covered, but. Even as a three-piece, it uh, it is really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, I want to maybe get you to uh, make a suggestion of what what do you see in the future for uh, foxes and fossils? More of the same. Um, there uh, a couple of things going on that I'm just really not comfortable talking about right now. That uh, I'll give you the scoop when it happens. <laughs> All right. Um, but uh, it, as I said, just different avenues of, of uh, revenue are opening up daily. And as far as I can tell, we don't have any plans to do anything different. Um, to, uh, let me put that another way. We don't have any plans to discontinue doing anything we're doing. Um, we're going to continue to record studio cuts, basically, for YouTube. Um, there's a couple of songs that we have that are just amazing that feature all three girls. And uh, I'm just excited about that. And we're going to put out another uh, compilation CD that, believe it or not, we're selling CDs in this age and time. <laughs> And uh, it's just uh, just going to keep doing what we're doing and try to figure it all out and hope that these couple of things that I can't mention uh, actually come true. If they do, it's going to be something. 
Well, I, I know your uh, audience out there was waiting with bated breath, and uh, the uh, uh, it's it's been a real delight getting a chance to listen to you guys, and I appreciate you taking time with us right now. There's nothing normal about our new normal, but AJC.com is the same trusted source you've always had. And we have just as much great content, if not more. That's why each week I'll highlight my personal picks for the best things to do, see, and experience. And the stories are easy to find on AJC.com. Considering the movie industry's slowdown of new output and the amount of time we spend streaming content as fast as it drops, the prospect of running out of fresh entertainment seems very real. Luckily, several independent art house theaters across the country, including the Plaza in Atlanta, have joined forces with select movie distributors to make brand new releases of independent, foreign, and restored classic films available for viewing in the comfort of your home for the cost of a single movie ticket. The arrangement helps sustain theaters during shutdown and possibly ensuring they reopen when it's safe again to gather in large groups. Read Suzanne Van Atten's story on this new effort and find out about the viewing options at AJC.com. Back in the early days of this century, Marietta's Carol Abersold and her daughter, Shanda Bell, began peddling the self-published book Elf on the Shelf. After hand-selling 5,000 copies in 2005, the pair drew the attention of Hallmark store franchises and boutique stories embraced Elf on the Shelf in 2006, which became a sensation that has since sold more than 15 million copies with 10 million more spinoff books. They created a 30-minute animated special in 2011 that debuted on CBS for three years and has since been airing multiple times on TBS. Over the years, they have expanded into clothing, a separate Elf Pets franchise, and Elf on the Shelf cereal. Now the mother-daughter team has a brand new deal with Netflix to create TV shows and movies about their expanding North Pole universe. Rodney Ho looks into the phenomenon and talks with the creators about what the future holds. Get the rest of the story on the radio and TV talk blog at AJC.com. In studios across the metro area, dancers in protective masks practice at bars marked for social distancing. They stretch and turn inside five-foot squares taped on the floor. Such parameters are the new normal for a performance art where the body is the instrument, working in close physical proximity to others is at its heart, and vigorous physical activity is its lifeblood. Things are very different this year for dance troops around Metro Atlanta, and the performances will change just as the rehearsals have. Check out our story on what to expect from the Atlanta Ballet, Ballethnic, and other dance companies around town as we approach the holiday season and the annual proliferation of Nutcracker performances. Get the details on our Things to Do page at AJC.com. When you're far from home and nostalgia strikes, familiar comforts are enough to bring you to tears. On more than one occasion, that's exactly what has occurred when first-time customers step inside NYC Bodega. The shelves of the tiny convenience store in Lawrenceville are stocked with all the labels they grew up with in the Dominican Republic. And the steam table at NYC Bodega is filled with a daily rotation of Dominican dishes, including roasted pork shoulder, scorched rice, and boiled green bananas with pickled red onion. Find out more about this Caribbean spot as the Dining Team's Atlanta Orders In series continues. Read up on all of the places they visited on the Atlanta restaurant scene blog at AJC.com. To get the AJC delivered or to subscribe to the e-paper, go to AJC.com slash subscribe. 
For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith. Podcast edited by Bria Felicien. Music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guen. And I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta.